Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. It's election time. We are less than a week away, and we have our full panel, which means Jorna Taylor, the nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin, is with us. Jorna, welcome. It's the final countdown. It is indeed. It is for the elections and also for our co-ops. We'll have a guest on to talk more about that. But of course, Robert Craig is here, executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. So as uh, Jorna mentioned, it's the final countdown. We are GOTV weekend. As most folks listen to this, you're probably already planning your weekend canvassing, and we'll talk more about that later in the podcast. But before we jump right into the elections, we do have a special guest, and that is Anna Dvorak, who is our lead organizer of our cooperative here in Milwaukee. Anna. Welcome. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. And the reason we have you back is because this big drive to expand the membership of the cooperatives is in its final countdown, a couple weeks left. So tell our listeners briefly again why they need to get and join the cooperative during this membership drive. Sure. So we have a number of different drives going on. And our cooperatives really are member-owned and run by members. So it's not like giving donations to nonprofits like we're used to. It's really more about um, giving our members a say in our organization. And, you know, in turn, our organization actually has people power. It has it has the, um, the ability to move forward with policy and really, really um, – pressure our, you know, elected officials and um, push for the policies we want to see. So we're not just, you know, coming up with great ideas. We actually have the the people to march in favor of them, their self-governance, and we also um, work in partnership with Citizen Action of Wisconsin. So we are... Um, 10 days away from completing our drive here in the greater Milwaukee area where we are running two drives, two membership drives, one in the Latino community predominantly, and another um, in order to fund an additional organizer to work on a radioactive campaign working to break the right wing talk radio monopoly in the greater Milwaukee area. And in addition to that, we have two other drives going on in two other geographic areas across the state, one in the western Wisconsin region where Jeff Smith, former uh, state representative, is our organizer up there. And then we have another one in northeastern Wisconsin in the Fox Valley region and in the Green Bay region. And actually it turns out that they're starting to get more members in the central Wisconsin area. So we really are growing and expanding and we are going to be able to create the change that we need to see in Wisconsin. So if uh, folks are interested in finding out more or becoming a cooperative member, what should they do? Well, they should go online to citizenactionwi.org. And at the very top of our homepage, you can see buttons. So if you're interested in joining um, the cooperative in your region, look for uh, the region that you live in and click on that button. So one should say Western Wisconsin, one Northeast, one Radioactive, and one Cooperativa, which means cooperative in Spanish, um, and that's the predominantly Latino uh, cooperative. Uh, just to add on to what Anna says, and you know, being a co-op organizer is different than being another kind of organizer because you're actually uh, working on a consensus with members rather than just getting directions from some national funder or something like that, is that... Uh, 
the, the, the people who are member owners, we call them member owners, do a lot more. The activism rate is much greater than a regular member because everyone's familiar with being a regular member, just believing in an organization and sending them a check or giving online. But that's all you're really asked to do. Maybe you're asked to, to forward an email or sign a petition. But this is deeper. You're asked to do more. You're involved in decision making. And it's not just random small democracy either. We're talking about big issues that we are doing strategic planning around and figuring out how we're going to, say, make a difference on creating a, 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 an economy that reduces carbon impact enough to prevent a climate catastrophe, just for example, or gets real racial economic equity, et cetera. So these are big issues, but the members are involved and the member owners came up with the whole idea of having an accountability campaign to take on right, the right-wing radio monopoly, for example, and then to get our own voice and our own ability to reach the public. And so that's all member-driven and it's been very, very effective. So I just say that if you were in, in uh, western Wisconsin, southeast Wisconsin, or northeast Wisconsin, and soon in central Wisconsin, please become a part of it. You won't, you won't regret it at all. Yeah, and I, I just want to emphasize that this isn't just going to happen. We can't just count on this happening. Um, we run these 60-day recruitment drives because if we basically set a deadline for ourselves because if we can't find uh, 250 people in these areas in the 60 days who will pledge, who say that they think this is a good idea, we want this in our community, we want to move forward with this, then we cancel everything. So this is not a given. If you're interested in this, please go online and check us out. Contact Kevin Kane or me if you live in this region or there's plenty of contact information for our organizers out there. Whether you're interested, if you have questions, please contact us. Because if this does not succeed, then it won't move forward. Well, thank you much for all your effort and trying to not only build and help figure out how to build these cooperatives, but to lead and help lead uh, other organizers in these drives to grow the membership. So thanks for coming on and talking more. And go go call, contact, get involved, join the cooperative. We will put the, those links also directly here on the uh, podcast uh, website. So thank you very much, Anna. Thanks for having me. Okay, great. So with that, we are going to start talking about the elections, the other final countdown. So there's been a lot of news around the presidential election, particularly related to emails that has, I think, some progressives, some Democrats worried maybe a little bit. I want to get the panel's mood, and that also includes we had a Marquette poll that came out that showed... Uh, Still showed Hillary with, uh, I think, a six or seven point lead, but a little smaller than the previous one. And uh, the Ron Johnson Feingold race went from what I think was like 11 down to one. So we've talked a bit about polls here and the limits of uh, what they can tell us or not tell us. But Jorna, I want to get your first thoughts on sort of the state of things here as we head into the final weekend uh, in this election. The state of things. God, and really excited this is going to be over soon. That's, yeah. that's a good state of things. You know, I think regarding the emails, we had a debate about this yesterday in my office. And I used my mom, who lives in Door County, who is a you know well-educated small business owner who uh, follows politics more closely, probably because I work in the field. Uh, but, 
she's still an average um, voter in the electorate, and she doesn't really. This email, this latest round of email scandals, has not affected her in any way. You know, she'd say something like, "Oh, there, there's something about emails. I don't know." I think the decisions are made. Obviously, this is a total overreach on this particular round of um, condemning Hillary for emails. And I think that that is not going to have the impact that us sort of insiders uh, pretend, you know, the sky is falling when this happens. So that's my take on the email thing. Robert, your thoughts? Well, Wisconsin is still uh, in the in the kind of Trump path for victory scenario. It, he, he's going to have to turn uh, presumably blue state. And it's either this, Michigan or Pennsylvania. And then he has to run the table of other places. So I'm not saying it's highly likely. But the fact that it's even possible is a little bit scary. Um, and then the Johnson-Feingold race is very close for comfort. I think at the end of the day, we're going to find out that Ron Johnson spent and had spent on his behalf in the new Citizens United position record amount. So it has been amazing. And let's face it, Russ is different than Herb Cole. He's kind of, he's more of a populist figure. So he he's never won by huge margins. So we, we shouldn't be surprised that a race against unlimited money uh, with an incumbent that that is close. So yeah, I, I want to quickly follow up, and then, Robert, yeah, you can yeah. go on more on that, on the money. We talked about this a few weeks ago where I was like, and this is supposedly a second-tier Senate race, and look at all the money. Well, folks, it's now a top-tier race, and it is mind-boggling. Uh, the Cokes now are in big time here for Johnson. Uh, tons in ton, millions and millions and millions of money. Clearly, uh, Feingold is uh, being outspent. I do want to point out, it is worth noting, that Feingold's ads that he's closing on, one, I'll say I think they're excellent, uh, but he is talking directly about the economy and outsourcing trade, the rigged economy against working people, a lot of the stuff we have talked about, uh, connected also with Social Security and Medicare, but that's it, right? And so um, it's very interesting uh, to, to, to at least note that. But I, I, I do want to give you an opportunity, Robert. I, I sort of interrupted you, uh, uh, but uh, you, you were talking. This election is much closer than it ought to be. Uh, the FBI director's idiocy and, and caving to Republicans, in the, apparently in the department, and senators is part of it. And Anthony Weiner's idiocy, let's just be clear. Oh, boy. Or sickness, right? I mean, yes. we, we're not supposed to be mean to those with mental health issues unless we're Donald Trump. I mean, at a cer certain level, it becomes clinical. Because yes. um, he can't control himself, right, quite clearly. So, clearly. We digress. And yeah. neither can, <laughs> I'm concerned that the FBI thing is going to lead to a Republican Senate, which might actually lead to not even confirming Supreme Court justices, for example. That's a, that's a serious possibility, so that would be a horrendous situation, even if Hillary Clinton wins through the Electoral College. Uh, you have Ron Johnson apparently calling for Hillary's impeachment, so that would be fun if he was there with a Republican majority to attempt to impeach her over the emails. Well, she's a swamp creature. So we'll talk more about that later in the podcast with our guest. And then furthermore, uh, I just want to make another point. That is, in the Marquette poll, there's a huge lead for Hillary over Trump among um, early voters. And so our nonprofit charitable arm that is not involved in partisan politics is part of a lawsuit that opened up early voting, that won that federal court decision. Now we know, I mean, we knew already why early voting is something they want to restrict. And so this shows, in fact, the base of that lawsuit is, is that the motivation was partisan for disenfranchising people, and these numbers further establish that. Uh, Jorna, I want to follow up on what you said about your mom, because I actually 
think there's a lot there. And I've mentioned this to some folks in our office who are all equally concerned about the emails. I tend to agree. I think it's a lot of noise. And I do think sometimes the noise does get picked up in the polling a little bit. But at the end of the day, I just don't think this is something that's suddenly going to change people's opinions radically, much less that they maybe even know that it's going on. So I want to I want to mention, like, my concern is, or not concern is, Hillary Clinton has not been here, right? So she either knows, and their campaign knows something very clearly about just how solid we probably are here, right? Because we, it's pretty rare. We've always had lots of presidential candidates. So I, I, I wondered. Do they have a pretty good sense that a lot of this probably is noise and that they're very solid here? Or could we suddenly see Hillary Clinton coming in here in the last four days? Well, I think there is a chance for both of that. Having worked um, presidential campaigns, two primaries and one general in 2004, uh, you certainly go where the polling tells you, your internal polling tells you to go. So, you know, right now we're seeing a state full of surrogates, um, you know. Bernie was here yesterday for uh, yes. for a rally, an early vote rally with Senator Feingold, yes. his his Packed friend. House. <laughs> I, I was not there, unfortunately. Um, and this morning, our producer, yeah, I, missed you. I missed you there. You did miss me yes. there, Brian, um, <laughs> or Robert, and our friend Brian this morning. Our, our producer, our producer, he made us late today for the podcast did because he's got a crush on Chelsea. Yes, it's true. Um, you know, but we're the interesting. She's thing, in town. She's in town, and Joe Biden, um, Vice President Biden, is going to be in Madison, I believe, tomorrow when you all are listening to this. Good, crazy Uncle Joe. I would actually go to that one. The one thing I will say that we aren't seeing in Wisconsin is a lot of these celebrity surrogates. And that's usually a... Um, and by celebrity, I mean the TV stars and the bands. Katy Perry. And the Ka- Katy, Katy Perry. Perry could win yeah. this state again. The entire extended Baldwin fam- acting <laughs> right. family. I mean, yeah. we had the West Wing cast a few weeks ago or a week ago. But we're not seeing as many of the sort of you know sparklies as we used to call them on one of the campaigns. Um, so, yeah, I think that the campaign is solid here and if something changes you bet your patootie yeah. that she gonna be in the state the next day and yeah. that poor advanced That's, team i'm sorry I, I also think wisconsin's gotten spoiled over the last several cycles because we had scenarios in the past where wisconsin was one of the three or four states right. period now the map's all over the place yeah. and so when they're sitting in the war room and deciding where to put hillary they're they're probably thinking Hmm, you know, Bernie won Wisconsin, so we'll put Bernie and we'll put Hillary there. So it, it's a it's a much more complicated question of to where to move the queen from the chess uh, chessboard example around the board. Uh, but uh, they, you know, there is also a question of whether the Wisconsin polling is very accurate, and we don't know what her internal polling says. But I know Nate Silver has suggested, even though the Marquette poll's been accurate in the past, that there isn't a good Wisconsin poll right now that five twenty seven uh, trusts, for example. Well, Great, Robert. I'm glad you brought that up because you've been talking about that all along, about just the difficulty of polling. And, and, and that's why I think the surrogates and who's here tells you a lot more about what the experts who really understand or ought to, right? That's what they get paid for, understand polling. Are She'd you be here. Charles Franklin, not an expert. <laughs> Look. Their poll, actually, they release a lot of information and context that makes it very interesting, and it helps us. Numbers. But if you go to the end of it and read, the secret is all in, you know, who's actually in that poll? What's the turnout going to be? What's the makeup of independents and Democrats? And, And in this state, it's very difficult because we do have, well, one, we... 
you can show up and vote, right? You can show up at the polls. That's hard Register. to It's hard to tell what that kind of surge is, where those surges are going to occur. Robert, you mentioned early voting. We have the largest early vote in the history of the state. That is it's unclear if that has an impact or will have an impact. But I I, I just, you know, overall I think uh you can tell where the state is at by who's here. Trump has batted down the hatches. He's particularly in western Wisconsin where they know they have an advantage and think maybe they can run up the score, but Trump has to win here, right? So he's he's like kind of like trying to play catch up. And unless we see Hillary Clinton here, I I take that stronger than any poll. His three biggest focuses seem to be Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. He needs to flip one of them, and then he has to win some other states that are toss-ups as well. But he has to flip a state that is assumed blue. And those are, those those are the three that are in the universe. If you if you look at the big board, the big war room map. Well, and if you're if you're talking about that, you'll see that Hillary Clinton um, is having or had a rally in Detroit the other day. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that Wisconsin is a little bit safer than Michigan at this point. Yeah, well, that's right. Very and well, because you know he rolled in yesterday and said that uh, the Clintons were responsible for NAFTA and that Hillary supported it and that there has been a loss of like 180,000 um auto worker jobs give or take that's a, I'm guessing the we're trying to remember the number but it's a large number and so and we know that Hillary and Barack Obama are 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 highly questionable on that issue. We don't really believe that Trump cares about it, but he's able to demagogue it. There's an opening, despite his... Uh, you know what Hillary's response this morning was, is that um, is Trump buying uh, illegally dumped Chinese steel for his uh, new hotel in, in D.C.? Well, he would if he could make his ties out of steel. So anyways, <laughs> we, are, we are going to actually move on. So yeah, we are really happy to welcome a special guest. Uh, his name is Bill Kaplan. Bill has been a longtime uh, journalist and wrote a guest article for the Wisconsin State Journal for a number of years, almost, oh, geez, 15, 20 years, a longtime resident here in Wisconsin, but now lives in Washington, D.C., but continues to cover Wisconsin politics, including writing a weekly blog that appears uh, on our Citizen Action, No Sacred Cows blog. Bill, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. So first of all, we really do appreciate your weekly blog. It's very insightful. Um, And related to that, we wanted to have you on to talk about this election. Uh, You've written a lot about it, but in particular, uh, to talk about our Senator Ron Johnson and some of the comments he made this week around uh, Hillary Clinton calling for her impeachment and really, quite frankly, uh, sounding a lot more like Donald Trump in terms of just really uh, bizarro rhetoric. Uh, and so I know you had a lot of comments on that, and we really wanted to get your thoughts uh, ab- ab- about that and put it in the perspective of your decades of covering politics. Well, I'd be glad to. Um, I think Senator Johnson's comments about impeachment raise critical questions about Johnson's judgment and temperament. He comes off as a hothead who's imprudent and in many ways uh, resembles Donald Trump now. He comes across as uninformed, unprepared, and unqualified. He doesn't appear to understand how our political system should function at all. Tell us a little bit more about that in terms of, uh, you know, that disconnect. Well, as everyone knows... uh, FBI Director Comey threw a hand grenade into our political process last Friday um, and said that the FBI was going to be looking at additional emails of pre- 
presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Unfortunately, that's all we got. Uh, there's not much new here other than they're going to be looking at additional emails. But it's left a cloud over Secretary Clinton that is unwarranted. And it's also violated longstanding rules that the justice system at the federal level should not make any moves at all uh, prior to uh, a few days before the election. And a number of Republicans have echoed Democrats who have complained about this. Senator Johnson has grabbed onto this and has used this again to call for the impeachment of Clinton. But there is a kind of a contradiction here. It seems to imply that he's not too confident that Donald Trump will be elected president because he's calling for the impeachment of Clinton after she becomes president. This is, almost, this is unprecedented. We've never had anything quite like this before in all my years of observing elections. To have the Republican Party proclaim that they're going to obstruct Clinton from day one and, in fact, call for impeachment is unprecedented. It's just unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this at all. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the president of the FBI stepping in, but also, right, like, there's no—there's been no— guilty, no proving of evidence here, and to call for the impeachment, it's it's nutty, right? And, and Bill, it's along the lines of what Trump said in one of the debates that was shocking. He said he would appoint a special prosecutor, uh, which was bad enough, and then said, and she'll be in jail. So apparently we know the result of the process already, and it's like, Russia, you're guilty of it once charged, right? <laughs> Robert, that's a very good point. In fact, a former Republican Attorney General Mulcasey took issue with Trump on that and said, we're not a banana republic. We don't use our uh, legal system to punish people politically. And I agree with Matt. I call this a so-called uh, email scandal. Really, nothing has come to light over the many, many months that this has been raised by Trump and some of his more extreme supporters on the Republican side in the Congress. Really what it comes down to is she used some bad judgment in having a private email server, and some communications were retroactively classified after they were sent. But beyond that, there is absolutely no evidence of any crime here. There's no evidence of any criminal intent on her part. It's a... It's a scandal that is made up of smoke and mirrors. And in fact, uh, John Dean, in a terrific op-ed in the New York Times called No Email Gate is Not Worse Than Watergate, compared Watergate to the so-called email scandal, and he concluded that this was really nonsense. Watergate was a serious political scandal, and Trump is completely uninformed and misleading the American people to compare these two. And he's echoed by Ron Johnson in Wisconsin doing essentially the same thing. Well, Bill, this is Jorna. Thanks for joining us today. You talk a lot about the things you're seeing in this presidential campaign that you've never seen before. And I, too, have worked a number of uh, presidential campaigns. And this one has been a fascinating um, departure from democracy in so many ways. Uh, so one of the things that I think is is really interesting to watch is how the Republicans have just 
gone to blatant uh, schoolyard bullying and name calling. And that this past weekend, uh, over Halloween weekend, might I add, so that, you know, maybe Senator Johnson was confused, but he was borrowing some language from uh, Donald Trump, as we refer to him, his orangeness, uh, where he called uh, Hillary Clinton and Senator Feingold swamp creatures and that they need to be flushed down the drain with the rest of the swamp. I mean, that's not what I expect from statesmen, personally. I don't know about you. I think it's a very good point. I think the uh, current Republican leadership and certainly Trump and Johnson, um, do not accept the legitimacy of political opponents. And they respond to political opponents with mudslinging and with insults. And in that sense, Johnson and Trump are the same. Uh, I think his uh, attack on Russ Feingold as a phony was unbelievable. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things you might, from the right... Uh, want to say about Russ Feingold, but the notion that he's a phony or some kind of fraudulent person, he's it's like one of the actual areas that uh, Russ is not. Correct. So, and Bill, I agree with you. What What's lacking in this sort of, you know, take no prisoner attack at the highest level, no matter what it is, is, you know, there is any kind of under, kind of uh, nuance about the level of crime something is. So if someone runs a red light, uh, but no one's hurt. That's a bad thing. They should get a ticket, and they should certainly be scolded. But that's different than ve- vehicular homicide. You know what I mean? And that's what we're talking about when we compare Watergate uh, to the email scandal based on the evidence we have. But their position is if there's anything that might be a violation of a rule, we're just going to say it's the worst crime ever and make a political issue out of it. And I would say that it's not totally unprecedented, but this is the kind of political destruct, political destruction we saw, quite frankly, after World War II in the early Cold War era, uh, where literally the right destroyed people's careers, uh, calling them communists uh, because simply because they were liberal and they could make the charge. And you remember the whole McCarthy secret list of all the State Department communists that kept changing in number but kept being reported and destroyed many, many careers. So it, 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 it's along those lines, especially if a Trump was to win, then we kind of have a new McCarthyism uh, emanating not from a U.S. senator, but from, from the president. Well, I think that that's a good point. Um, I think one thing that's very alarming about Trump is that McCarthy, as bad as he was, and he was really bad, never became the nominee of his party. And Trump, who goes, uh, you know, in the same direction as Joe McCarthy. In fact, not only does Trump go in that direction, one of his closest advisors was, was Cohn, who worked for Joe McCarthy. Roy Cohn, right. And, and Trump is their nominee now. To me, I look at the current Republican Party taking the departure from the party of Lincoln. I've known many Republicans who I respect, and some of them are not supporting Trump. For example, Dale Schultz, the former... Uh, Republican uh, state Senate leader in Wisconsin. He's not going to support Trump. Former Congressman Tom Petri is not going to support Trump. Current Congressman Reed Ribble is not going to support Trump. It's almost as if the party of Lincoln has jumped off the cliff. Well, that is exactly what's going on. We were, I was listening to uh, the, the Trump rally in Eau Claire, part of where Johnson made his, his comments. But, you know, that, that crowd is eating itself, right? They're, they actually chanted, uh, Paul Ryan sucks in the middle of the rally, right? Like, so they go back and forth between jailing Hillary, 
uh, Chance and Paul Ryan. So they've got a real mess on their hands, uh, just in terms of if you're, I guess, you know, an ethical, you know, an, someone who is a principled Republican. I, I know the three you just mentioned, like where there's no home left, right? It's it's pretty frightening, I would imagine, for, for a lot of those folks. I think it is. Um, now, there was one piece of good news from a conservative blogger who writes for the Washington Post yesterday, and if I could, I just wanted to read something she said. Her name is Jennifer Rubin. She is a right blogger for the Washington Post. She does not support Trump. This is what she had to say about Ron Johnson yesterday. Most Republicans wrote off the Wisconsin Senate seat months ago, but incumbent Ron Johnson has provided voters with a very good reason not to vote for him or other Senate Republicans. Johnson suggested that Hillary Clinton could be impeached for her email server if she became president. She went on to say the following, what is the Democrats' favorite complaint? Republicans are obstructionists, bent on witch hunts instead of doing the people's business. Johnson promises to hound Clinton maybe music to the GOP base, but independents and Democrats are in the midst of deciding whether they want to check on Hillary Clinton or a legislative partner. It's one thing to say we'll make sure she doesn't raise taxes. It's quite another to say we're going to throw dust in the air for the entire term and bring business to a halt. And I think that's what's going on. The Republicans on the far right are signaling we're going to prevent the government from functioning, period. And I think you got it right. There's the overreach. And that is the question. Did does did a Ron Johnson overreach this week? Um, and ca- how much can be made out of this? Because it's it it's one thing to be concerned about Hillary's emails if you're an independent voter and you don't know much about it. Right. But then when you hear Ron Johnson say that, that's a whole nother ball of wax there where you're talking about more gridlock, more just, you know, you're declaring you're going to impeach somebody who may actually just win an election in, 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 in five days. It's also revealing about who he is because there's no voter who isn't already voting for him that's going to be persuaded by that. So this right. is him uh, saying what he thinks. I did think it was overreach, and in some ways it, it resembled his attitude sort of the Affordable Care Act. If you all remember, he went to federal court and filed a lawsuit against the Affordable Care Act, which was promptly thrown out by a federal judge, and was also greatly criticized by his fellow Republican Congressman Sensenbrenner, who had enough sense to realize that this had no basis in law. He seems to be singularly uninformed about our legal system, and he wants to politicize and criminalize differences on policy. It's one thing, if he wants to be critical of the Affordable Care Act, he should certainly do that. But it's an entirely another question to say he's going to go to federal court and have sections of it declared unconstitutional. That's his own personal view. It has no basis in law. So, Bill, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat with us today. And again, want to thank you for your very thoughtful blogs that you write every week. And again, want to encourage our listeners to uh, come to our page. We'll post them on Facebook. But uh, usually every Tuesday we have something new from Bill. So thanks a lot, Bill. You're welcome. And thank you for everything you folks are doing. I admire your work in Wisconsin. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you later down the road. Terrific. So, Robert, uh, you're right. Healthcare has become a, a big issue again, and it's from the right going after and using what we've talked about the past few weeks the premiums uh, as an ability to demagogue on healthcare. 
Right. So uh, a lot of Ron Johnson's main ads are about uh, health insurance costs doubling or tripling and people uh, testimonials like you'd seen before uh, Obamacare from individuals saying, I can't afford it. Uh, it's terrible. It's bigger than my mortgage, et cetera. So who knew that the Republicans were so interested in health care costs? Well, they are when they're in engaged in the politics of personal destruction and they want to destroy, they want to win based on Obamacare. Of course, they're not being clear that we're only talking about rises in premiums for people who had no no way to get insurance before, okay, and who are and who are literally being abandoned by the insurance industry because they have pre-existing conditions or higher risk, and that's the problem. But let me be clear: I think it's interesting. Uh, first of all, electorally, this is the last gasp of the attempt to overturn Obamacare. Right? Is this is this uh, is this campaign theme? Uh, and but secondly. Uh, have the Republicans in the fog of war, and I'm going to put out a blog called The Fog of War about this, shifted their position because they are so against everything Obamacare to now they're the party of lower, more affordable health insurance costs. I mean, Ron Johnson, of all people, in the Journal Sentinel Turbo discussion, talked about putting everyone in pre-existing conditions in high-risk pools, but unlike before, taxing everyone. He didn't use the word tax, but he said, so we spread the risk and we subsidize it and, and, and everyone pays for it. And everyone has insurance. Well, that sounds an awful lot like what Obamacare tried to do. So the question is, you could be cynical and say that this is all bait and switch, and as soon as they get rid of Obamacare, they wouldn't give a damn about anyone having affordable coverage, which is entirely possible. But you could also say that there's kind of an opening where they're starting to take kind of attack Obamacare from a progressive standpoint that people have a right to affordable health care, which is fascinating. So, Robert, I'll, I look forward to reading that article. I have an answer, no. Uh, <laughs> I believe your first, you're, you're in the fog your first of, you're, scenario. You're, you're in the fog of war as <laughs> well. Exactly. So it, it just it, it's interesting, it right? Is. And by the way, Paul Ryan, I know we're going there soon, says we everything we do, and this is his poverty discussions, needs to be outcome based and fact based. So by taking Paul Ryan seriously on that, we could have a dialogue with Republicans about how we're going to guarantee affordable health care for everyone in America. Speaking of facts, can yes. we talk about can we talk about Paul Ryan? Paul super Ryan, briefly? I'd love to talk about Paul Ryan because there are no facts. Um, as we talked about very briefly earlier uh, at an early vote rally in Eau Claire, they the crowd was chanting "Paul Ryan sucks." I mean, it's a schizophrenic Republican electorate, that is for sure. Yeah, it's uh, Brian. You need to play that clip. The Wisconsin Republican Party has set up twenty two twenty nine offices. Basically, what what you heard was the uh, the chairman or the executive director of the Wisconsin Republican Party is attempting to try to recruit volunteers, and all they're interested <laughs> in is telling them that Paul Ryan sucks. I so, love it. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's partly because we have a two party system. If we if we were in Europe, there would be more parties. So literally, the the Republican Party is at least three parties. It's some sort of neo-fascist party, and that's the ones that we're chanting. It's some sort of libertarian party, and then it's some sort of business Republican party, and that and that these all three coexist under one banner. You act as if the Democratic Party isn't the same. Well, um. we, we have a, we have a, we do, <laughs> we have love. a neoliberal Democratic party, we have the Bernie Sanders right. Democratic party, and those would be separate parties in a non-two-party system, in a parliamentary uh, but system. But before we, before we move off There's, of our friend we, Paul Ryan, um, we also want to point out that he did vote for, quote, our nominee, 
Not yes. by name, but yes. he voted for our nominee. I want to define the word our a bit um, loosely because it was I, quite ambiguous. I feel good about our nominee. I that feel, like I a feel nice good word. about our nominee as I mean, well. Who could be against our nominee? And, and finally, uh, there was a secret meeting in D.C. this week on Wednesday where the Freedom Caucus is plotting the potential downfall of uh, Speaker Ryan right after the election or what they are going to get out of letting him continue to be Speaker. And so I think a lot hinges a, on Tuesday. Do we know if they have a... They got 40 members. I mean, do they have a crazy candidate? Do I they mean, have who? a crazy... I'm sorry. They are all crazy candidates, okay. Robert. So they have um, 40 crazy candidates. They have 40 that crazy candidates problem. that could that could <laughs> run. But it'll be interesting to see what shakes out on Wednesday after the election. Uh, should their... Should our nominee not win and what the fate of uh, of Paul Ryan will be after that? And will he sell his soul to keep them happy? My vote is yes, but, you know, who knows? And if, you're, if, if we're talking about Paul Ryan and his ethics, because he's supposed to be this ethical Republican who cares about big issues, remember, this is the man who says that, that spending less money and the federal deficit is the biggest imaginable issue. Whose plan calls for spending two or three times more on Medicare so that we can make it a voucher and pay for insurance companies to be in the middle? So that tells you all you need to know about uh, his principles. So my vote is is that uh, he will show remarkable intellectual dexterity in finding all sorts of rationalizations for whatever he needs to do to hold on to power. So with that, I want to encourage all of our listeners to get out and volunteer this weekend. No matter where you live, there is a place for you to go and help get out the vote. Uh, in particular, here at Citizen Action, we have a number of programs going on around the state. Also, uh, in particular, in Milwaukee, Wausau, in the Eau Claire area, I will. We will have all that information on our webpage. Uh, get out! Uh, this is the the last weekend, and it is when this door work and phone call work is the most important in terms of uh, talking to folks. So, please. So with that, we'll see you all next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.